Hi, my name is Jen Rulon, and you may know me as Coach Jen. After knocking out 15 Ironman triathlons, I am an everyday healthy human just like you. In this podcast, we will discuss how to metamorphosize into an everyday healthy human through healthy physical habits and mindsets, as well as authentic living. Let's transform together in this journey called life and become the best everyday healthy human ever. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Everyday Healthy Human Podcast. My name is Jen Rulon, or you may know me as Coach Jen. Today, our guest is Joe Rinaldi, who I found on Instagram, of course. I started following him on the Rulon Racing account, and then I jumped on and started getting really inspired from the Rulon Racing account and just really inspired by his story that I knew I needed to get him on the podcast. I just told him, I said, I'm really nervous of interviewing you. And I think you made a really great point about that is like, it's just because I care. Like, I just want to really share your story and things that you have gone through. So I want Joe to explain a little bit about himself because I can't do justice. So today, Joe, I want to welcome you and thanks for joining me. Jen, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I'm a physical therapist. I'm a performance coach. I'm a podcaster, a writer, a speaker, husband, a son, brother, et cetera. Now I'm a dog dad and an athlete. But beneath all those things, I just see myself as Joe Rinaldi, the human being, and I'm trying to leave every person in place better than I found them. And it might seem a bit cliche or cheesy or whatever, but it's the truth to me. And I think sometimes and I'm guilty of this in the past, I've mixed up my titles with my identity and uh, who I am is not what I do. I think you're right. I think as, you know, as I always say, people are like, oh, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm a 15 time Ironman triathlete. Well, no, I'm, I'm way more than that. So talk to me a little bit about the business side of you, like, uh, and then we'll talk about the athletic side of you. Sure. So I am the founder and CEO of Project Endure. It is an organization focused on helping others find strength in their struggle. So at our core, we are a coaching business. We also have a podcast. We do community events and and a bunch of other things. But the mission is so important to me and it ties back to a little bit about my story. And so for people listening who might not know, I was born with a genetic condition called Best Disease. And at 10 years old, it started to present itself. And what happens is there's no cure, but there's a a progressive sporadic loss of central site. And so ever since I was 10, all the way through today at 29, I've been dealing with central site loss. I like to say that I'm headed down a path toward blindness. And I, I say it that way because there's really no telling or predicting what will happen or when it will happen. I am currently legally blind in my right eye. And my left eye is pretty good. And so all things considered, I can drive, I can read, I can write, I can do anything that anybody else can do, except maybe hit a baseball, things like that. And, um, you know, for a lot of my life, I saw that as a net negative. I played victim. I felt sorry for myself. And it wasn't until I was in graduate school, I met my soon to be wife and, uh, or she is my wife at the time she was soon to be my wife. And I had this big shift in perspective and I realized that life was so much bigger than just me and that it wasn't about what was happening to me. It was about how I chose to see that situation. So my perspective 
and how I chose to respond. And so over the course of maybe a couple months to a couple years, I decided I was going to change my perspective. And what I lost in sight, I've gained in vision. And what was once a, a burden has become a blessing. And I, I truly believe that. And I wouldn't be who I am without it. And so to tie that back in to Project Endure, I really believe that everybody is struggling with something. And while everybody might not be losing their sight, I do feel that everybody can find strength in their unique struggle. And that's my mission is to help people do that. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Even though you've lost your sight, you've gained vision. Yeah. What I've lost in sight, I've gained in vision. And I guess just to break that down, you know, sight to me is what we can see with our eyes, the physical environment around us. And as I've been able to see less and less around me, I've been able to uh, enhance my vision, to uh, dream more, to imagine more, to change my perspective, to you just, just, yeah, see the world through a different lens with my vision, not my sight. That is absolutely fantastic. I Thanks. love that. It might be, uh, it might be in the works to be kind of the subtitle of a book someday that I'm, I'm working on. I've been working smart. on. Smart, so we'll smart, see. smart. I like that. So w- let's talk a little bit about because my followers might be thinking, well, how did you get from here to here, right? Because I think that's the biggest thing that I see people say to me, it's like, well, I can't do 15 Ironmans. I can't do an Ironman. I don't expect you guys to, right? So when you went from victim mode, what was that shift in like physical or mental or, you know what? I don't want to play this victim mode anymore. I want to be Joe. I want to be who I am supposed to be. That's a great point. And just to be clear, it wasn't an overnight thing. It wasn't like a a switch flipped and I was all of a sudden a different person. It was a process and there were ups and downs and twists and turns and it was ugly at times and it was hard at times. And the turning point for me really had to do with my wife. I knew that I wanted to marry this girl. And, uh, you know, I realized that everything in my life leading up to meeting her, while it was hard, while it felt unfair, while I played the victim, it led me to her. So the hardest things in my life led me to the best thing of my life. And there's this amazing quote. It's the reason I got my first ever tattoo from Christine Kane, who said, sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but you've actually been planted. And that changed my perspective. And I, I, I decided to embrace that. And like I said, it was a choice that I had to make over and over and over again until it truly felt like something I didn't even question. Um, but yeah, it took time and it, it wasn't an overnight thing. And, and I think that's a great point on your end. It's a choice. It's a choice. You could sit here and stay in the victim game and say, well, I can't do a marathon. I can't, I'm, I'm going blind. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like you could sit there and tell yourself that all day long. But if you don't make the choice, if you don't make that change, it's not going to change. It's not going to happen. And you're right. It's going to take time. It's going to be a, it's going to be a struggle. You're going to, it's that roller coaster ride, man. Like I, I remember, yeah. I remember going out for a bike ride, um, getting ready for, I think my second Ironman. And I just stopped on the side of the road and I started crying because I was three hours into it. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm tired. I'm drained. I'm like, and I'm like, well, but if I head back, that's three hours. Oh, well, I got my six hours in. So I sort of snapped out of it, you know, but that's just a quick example, right? I think that 
a lot of people wait to feel inspired to take action. And I believe that it's actually the opposite is how it works. It's actually precedes inspiration. Sometimes you have to get moving, even if you don't know where the end goal is, even if you don't know how to get there, you just have to take a step and you have to let that step inform the next step and that step inform the next. And eventually you might start to feel inspired. I think too many people wait to feel inspired. And if you want to be something that you feel like you are not, start acting like the person that you want to become. And so if you want to be a triathlete and you're not, spend time with triathletes, go for a bike ride, you know, get in the water. Even if you have no idea what you're doing, you know, ask for help, start to do those things. And eventually you'll find yourself closer to the person you want to become, even though it's not perfect, even though it might be messy. I love that because from example, it can be really messy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But like you just go out there and do it. So talk to me about your endurance story. Okay. So for my athletic background, I grew up playing sports. I grew up playing baseball until I could no longer see a baseball well. I transitioned to football, played football until I was in college, made a tackle, lost a good chunk of my sight and was told by doctors I should probably stop. So I did. I found myself lost though after that. When football was taken away, it was that structured sport environment that I had my entire life that all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you don't have. And oh yeah. And it's it's something I don't think we talk about enough as a society is, okay, you, you're in school your whole life. It's structured. You're in sport your whole life. It's structured. And one day that ends. And then how do you start to find yourself again? Uh, it's a really hard transition. And so I found myself spending a lot of time in the gym. I had always enjoyed weightlifting and I got more and more into that. I dabbled here and there in running, but it wasn't until the end of graduate school for me and even after graduate school that I started to really mix running and lifting in a more intense way, in a more sustainable way even. Uh, and so I trained for an Ironman 70.3 Lake Placid, did all of the training leading up to the race, and two weeks before the race, they canceled it because of the pandemic. Um, so decided to sign up for another race. Same thing, kind of went into a new training block trained, got halfway there. They canceled it because of the pandemic. So I've trained essentially for one and a half 70.3s, but never got to do one. Um, And then I did a sprint triathlon with um, my brother-in-law and a couple of his friends two summers ago in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It was awesome. I loved every second of it. Uh, And if it weren't for a wrong turn on the bike that added four miles to my race, (laughs) I probably, I probably would have come in first in my age group, which is, uh, You know, it was a good experience overall. And um, outside of that, I ran the New York City Marathon last year and currently preparing to run even longer distance on ultra at some point later this year. Yeah, it's so funny because I always tell people that do uh, ultras, I'm like, y'all are crazy. And I share this because people think I'm insane when I say this because I've done 15 Ironmans. I think it is easier for me to do a marathon in an Ironman than a straight out marathon. Interesting. Yeah, because it's like the swim warms me up. Then I get on the bike. I get my nutrition. I get my water. I get prepared for the the marathon. And then I go do the marathon. But like when you jump in to do the marathon, you're balls to the wall. People think I'm insane when I tell them that. I'm like, no, when you guys figure it out, like, let me know. So let me ask you, do you want to do an Ironman 70.3 then? Or are you sort of like, I'm good? 
you know what? I was, after those two got canceled, I still had that desire. And I was thinking, you know, I'd still have to do one. And then my bike got stolen. So that's a whole nother story. And then that resistance of not having a bike anymore, uh, paired with the fact that I don't enjoy the swim, paired with the fact that life was busy and triathlon training, while it's it's great, it's fun, there are a lot of different components and it's not as simple as going out the door and putting shoes on. So long story short, I think at some point in the future, yes, but for the foreseeable future, probably not. Right, right. And you're 29, like you got time. I agree. Like people are like, oh, I signed up for an Ironman. I'm like, that's that's the easy part. You know, like the training is the is the it's the swim. I mean, the swim can take long just to get there. You know, the Ironman itself, while it is hard, if you looked at all the training that leads up to that together, that is the hard part, right? It's the it's the dedication, the time commitment when you're tired and you still have to train. And there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of steps and strokes and pedals that go into that one day that nobody sees. Exactly. Exactly. I want to talk briefly about strength training this because I did my four Ironmans, totally blew off strength training, right? And then I took an eight-year sabbatical and I found CrossFit. I drank the Kool-Aid, went back and got my master's degree you know, in kinesiology. And then I realized the importance of strength training, especially as we age. And that's something I talk about a lot on other people's podcasts about the importance of strength training. Now, you're a physical therapist. Can you share the importance of strength training to my followers? Because they all know I'm crazy about strength training and that's all I do anymore. Like I do four times a week of strength, go for a walk, do yoga. Before I give a brief just uh, overview on that, I will say as a runner myself, I feel like I've earned the right to say this. As a physical therapist, runners are the worst. You know, yes. a runner comes into the clinic, they've got a nagging injury and you tell them, okay, let's cross train or let's strength train. All they want to do is run. Yes. And I get it, right? Once you're hooked, you're hooked. Um, but strength training is so powerful. It, a lot of people are under the misconception that strength training will slow you down, that it will detract from running and endurance events. It's quite the opposite. And there's a lot of research to back that up. Being strong, being able to support your joints, being able to improve muscular endurance along with muscular strength, all of those things improve performance, improve power output on the bike, improve your ability to be, to have longevity in the sport that you love. And I think that's really a big piece that people miss, right? If you never strength train and you're, you know, all in, in the world of endurance sports, eventually it's very likely you're going to run into one or two or three or more injuries that eventually could shut that down or force you to take time away from the sport. And if you do those quote unquote preventative, um, progressive things like progressive resistance training, it can improve your longevity and allow you to train longer and harder for more of your life. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. And so I'm lucky because I've loved with, I love lifting weights. So that's never been hard for me, but I understand how it might seem counterproductive for people who've never done it. Right. I remember lifting with my college boyfriends. And I would be going like I would be going to get dresses and flexing for my mom. And she's like, Jenny, stop. And like, I'm still flexing, you know, (laughs) but I just love how I feel. I love how I look. Something that I've learned about strength training, and I'm sure you've seen this with your clients, is the uh, the amount of confidence you gain from the gym, just getting under a bar, 
you know, I mean, I think even my mom was like, well, how much do you lift? I'm like, well, depends on the lift, mom. Like it just, you know, and she's like, well, what's your heaviest? I'm like, well, back in the days, like a deadlift was whatever, you know, I don't even remember anymore. But then she's like, oh, that's a lot. It's like, well, yeah, but it, you know, it's all relative, right? I think feeling strong, whether or not you're lifting incredibly heavy weights or you're lifting something relatively light. And again, strength is relative, hard is relative, but if you are able to be strong in the gym and feel strong outside of the gym, it just goes such a long way, not only in sport, but I think just confidence levels in general, right? How you carry yourself, how other people see you, the opportunities that open because of that, I think are underrated. 100%. And I'm, I'm going to totally plug my app, but I have my little app um, that I dropped the price because I was like, ah, this isn't making sense. Like, why am I charging this month? Like, but- I have over 50 workouts like all around Costa Rica and I go live and all I use is body weight and dumbbells and bands and kettlebells. Like I have a little, like I have my little gym set, you know, even if you don't have any of those weights, even if you don't have bands, I could, I'll still adjust for you guys, you know, and, and I will travel around Costa Rica with 20 pound dumbbells and a band. You know, and people are like, do you just, do you drive around Costa Rica with your dumbbells? I'm like, yep, they're in the car right now. <laughs> I I have a handful of, so I, most of my work is online. I have a handful of in-person clients here in Philadelphia. Some of them have home gyms. Some of them don't. And we just meet at a park. I have two kettlebells and two resistance bands in my car. That's it. Let's talk a little bit about mindset. Sure. Um, I love mindset. I know, right? I saw that in your stories. I grew up watching YouTube videos, like watching um, inspirational YouTube videos. And I always, always thought, man, it'd be so cool to like be in one of those one day or make those. And I am so grateful for the technology that is, you know, Instagram, social media. And while there are negatives that come along with those things, I think the positives can far outweigh the negatives. And it just, it's given me such a, a platform for creative expression where I could you know, I could spread those messages in 30 seconds and have conversations like this even. So yeah, I, I appreciate that you like the reels. I do. I like the reels a lot. So when I was in grad school in the season, right before I kind of shifted my perspective, I was going through a really hard time. It was one of those situations where I went off to a new place. I moved to Philadelphia from where I grew up in New Jersey. I was starting a doctorate program. I didn't know anybody in the city. And I had just lost more of my sight. And so it was just this, this, these circumstances that left me feeling a little bit down. And over the course of a year, I just found myself sadder and darker and feeling like I had less to look forward to. It was, it was just a hard season, to put it lightly. And uh, in that season, I did a lot of introspection. I, I did a lot of journaling. I tried meditation. Uh, I spent time working on myself in the gym and outside of the gym. And one of the things that I came to realize at the end of that year was that while I couldn't control what happened to me, I could always control how I responded. And I think a lot of times in life we react to things, you know, someone cuts us off in traffic and we honk the horn or something doesn't go our way and our, our, our posture changes, our body language changes. We slump, we hang our head, we think negative things. And that just becomes the norm and it becomes the cycle of reacting. And I realized that as humans, Really, one of the only things, probably the overarching only thing we can control is our choices, how we choose to respond to things with intention. 
And so there's this great book by Viktor Frankl called Man's Search for Meaning. And in the book, he describes the space. And the space is between the stimulus and the response. So when something happens to us, we, we can create a space between when that thing happens and when we respond. And in that space is our ability to choose our response. And so when somebody cuts us off in traffic, even just that split second where you can say to yourself, I get to choose how I respond to this. I don't have to go to the negative situation. Maybe, hey, maybe this person is in a rush and they are going to the hospital, right? I don't know and I'm not going to place assumptions. I'm going to control what I can control. And that's been a huge game changer for me. And I think thinking that life should be fair or feeling sorry for myself has held me back so much in the past. And I realized that life is not fair. That's just how it is. I can't control other people or other things around me. I could only control what I choose to do and how I choose to respond. And that realization is so incredibly freeing because you really don't need to control anything else because you know that you can't. And so you just focus on what you can do. I love that. That's beautiful. I think mindset plays such a huge role for a lot of us. And it's not just triathlons or it's not just endurance or it's not fitness. Like it's just every day every day you have to deal with it. Like I always talk about the little angel, the little devil on your shoulders, right? You got the, you got your cheerleader cheering you on, but then you got that. It's like you can decide on who you're going to listen to. If somebody cuts you off, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like that happened, right? You know, whatever that you might, whatever that might, they might be doing, right? I mean, for me yesterday, I was, I've been so consumed with traveling over the last month. I've been just exploring Costa Rica and um, Panama. And I had my first set of active travel clients down in Costa Rica. So I got to drive them around Costa Rica and we got to work out and yoga and paddleboard and kayak and hiked. And it was beautiful. But like when I got back yesterday or Sunday, I was exhausted. And so I knew mentally that I had to step back and just be with myself. I needed to meditate. I needed to drink water. I needed to uh, eat healthy foods. Like I just needed to disconnect from the world. And I think sometimes instead of trying to push and trying to push harder and harder, I knew my mindset would be so much fresher today by taking care of myself the last two days. And that's a perfect parallel back to the world of fitness and athletics is like sometimes you have to choose to slow down temporarily so that you can speed up later on rather than never slow down and be forced to take a break. And the force can be an injury. Yeah. You get sick. Yeah. As, I, as coaches or as personal trainers, we see that all the time. And when I have my athletes go into that like mode of like, I got to do more. I'm like, no, you don't. You got to trust your coach. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Where can listeners find you online? Yeah, I would say Instagram's the best place. From there, you can find everything else that I do. And Instagram is just at Joe A. Rinaldi. Perfect. And then this is the final question. Well, what is the one final thought that you can give our listeners about how to start their own transformation and become their own beautiful butterfly? So if it's all right with you, I'll tell just one more quick story and then give my answer. Please do. Okay. So when I went to college, I walked onto the football team. And when I was in that space, I realized that it's a whole nother level than high school. 
And if you've ever played football, you, you know what it's like to watch film. So for anybody who doesn't play football or has never played football, you have a practice, you have a game. And the next day, usually you sit down with your coaches and teammates and you watch everything on the big screen and all your mistakes are up there for everybody to see. And you watch and you know, oh, in three plays, I did this really dumb thing and I'm going to get called out for it. It's not going to be fun. And when football stopped for me, that was gone. And I reflected and I thought, wow, I didn't enjoy that. I didn't enjoy those film sessions, but they made me a better football player. They made me a better teammate and they made me a better person because I was held accountable to the highest level for everything that I was doing on the field between those white lines. And I thought, wow, how could I live my life like it's on film? How could I have that integrity where behind closed doors, even when nobody's watching me, I can still make the right decision, do the right thing. And I've carried that with me to today. And it's not perfect, but I have this, <laughs> my wife will, will laugh if she's listening to this, like I'll walk past a piece of garbage on the ground and I'll take three or four steps. And then all of a sudden I'll pause and I'll, I'll just let out a big sigh and I'll look up to the sky and I have to turn around and pick yep. it up because that is the right thing to do. And I think the, the final thought is if you don't know who you want to be or where you want to go understand that what you do behind closed doors, even the small things, they have a big impact on who you are. And so get get really clear on like, who do you not want to be and who do you want to be behind closed doors? And if you could uh, have integrity and make good choices when nobody's watching, the rest will start to fall into place. And then on top of that, you don't need the final destination to be crystal clear. You don't need to have a five-year plan that you can write out in specific detail you just need to know general direction of where you want to go and keep in mind that that also applies to what you do and nobody's watching. That is fantastic. Thanks. I love that. Thank you so much, Joe. You guys, y'all, I should say, because I am, I lived in Texas for 25 years. If you are loving the Everyday Healthy Human podcast, we would love for you to rate and subscribe, share the episode with your friends, leave a comment, Because down in Costa Rica, we say Pura Vida. Ciao.